Yeah, the guy in charge of the cameras is telling me I, wrong the, I wore the wrong shirt, so you may just not see my face at all today. Just, oh, no, you can. Look, there you go. I am there. hope it's not too blinding for you. Um, this is the fourth, it's actually the last in this little series I've done on the subject of work. And whether you are paid for the work that you do or not, uh, we have looked through the series. God originally created work to be a rewarding experience, to be fulfilling, a place to, where we can have influence for him, and something that is absolutely good for us, a great thing. But in this fallen world, work has become, for many, a source of stress, a source of anxiety. And this morning, I want to look at one area that may be a source of stress for some of you here, the issue of integrity in the workplace. As in previous talks, we're beginning with an interview with a church member, and so would you please welcome Helen Briggs. Morning. Good morning. Helen, you've run your own business for many years now. Tell us, what do you do? So I have a hair and beauty salon in West Bridgeford. And uh, as John says, I've run it for quite a few years. In fact, 15. Can't believe it's that long. Um, we actually are in Melton Road, which is where Trent Vineyard had its um, offices. In the exact building. In that building. Premises, yeah. yeah. So as they moved out, we moved in and um, have been there ever since. And actually, it kind of felt a bit like I was doing my own church plant in a sort of strange way. And um, yeah, it's been a real privilege over the last 15 years. Um, I've now got a team, started with just me on my own in, in the building. And we've now got 15 of us, um, which is a challenge in itself. And um, yeah, we, we've been there growing and working and um, to, trying to do it to God, God's glory. So what does integrity at work mean to you? So integrity at work for me is the same as integrity in life. Yeah. Um, so I kind of think it's important to be the same in the public as it is in the private. Um, and I, I suppose when I think about it, it's when I look in the mirror in the morning and I look at this person, oh, it makes me emotional. <laughs> um, I try and be as honest and as fair as I can mm -hmm. and uh, try and, and live um, with a, a, an, as an audience of one. You know, um, I remember years ago listening to, I think it was Todd Hunter, uh, talk about that. And um, so for me, it is about living with an audience uh, of one and, and trying to be um, honest to that mm -hmm. and fair in, in that in my business. I imagine you've faced challenges to integrity, as we all have in the workplace. Uh, what sort of things have you faced and how do you deal with that? Oh, lots of things. Um, so one of the things is how, how we deal with complaints. We don't get many, thankfully, um, but I'm sure you've all been in a situation yourselves where you've had a, a complaint, you've, you've made a complaint, and how you're dealt with in, in that situation is, um, is really important you know you can be fobbed off and feel like you're not important and so you know we we try to um to, to deal with those things um in a way that is honorable and give people their their dignity um, but i guess really in my business i've got three areas of of challenge when it comes to integrity uh, my staff uh, or my team um, my clients and um the way i run the business so the financial side of yeah. things i guess um, 
So when it comes to my clients, of whom I know some are in the building, and so thank you, we love you, keep coming. <laughs> We'd be nothing without you. Um, oh, that makes me emotional as well. <laughs> so yeah, so the way we deal with them, we, we, have, um, we have the privilege of listening to a lot of people. And um, you know, we, we try and break that, that stereotype of you know, hairdressers doing that. Oh, where are you going on holiday? Uh, and, and we're called the real salon, and that's for a reason, because we have real conversations. Mm -hmm. Clients un unfold a lot of their life to us, and, and that's a privilege. And how we deal with that information is important. Uh, and so, um, especially when it comes to you know, people who know each other, and they tell you things about each other, or family members. You know, we have generations, um, children and parents and grandparents, and dealing with that. Um, so we have kind of a bit of a policy that is what's said in the chair stays in the chair. Um, and you know, only this week, I'd, I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks, and I overheard one of the, the teams say to her clients, well, what's said in the chair stays in the chair. And I was like, oh, wow, it, it happens. You know, that, that is true, because mm. they've picked that up from the way we do things. Yeah. So, um, so that's the way we try and handle our clients, and we don't always get it right. Um, and with our, my, my team, we, um, I read a book, uh, I think you've mentioned it in your talks, John, um, Thank God It's Mondays, about 10 years ago, actually. And it absolutely inspired me. It just, it broke me. I was like, I want to be the best boss I can possibly be. And that is what I've tried to do. Um, and I've had a lot of my team has stayed with me for a long time, so hopefully I'm getting something right there. Um, but the way I handle them, you know, I mean, it's, it's a privilege. Um, they're my, my family at work, I sort of think of them. And um, one, one example that I can think of is we had a situation, I used to do my own payroll, and then as the team got bigger, it was just easy to outsource it. And somewhere along the line, one of the, the pay, uh, the staff, was paid wrong, and it went on for quite a long time, and I don't know how we missed it, we just didn't spot it. And so for probably about 18 months, she was getting the wrong hourly rate. And I was so horrified when I found out. I was just like, that is terrible. You know, I want to pay my staff what they're worth. Uh, I try and give them a, as good a bonus as I can. And to find out that someone's not getting paid right was just terrible for me. And so, as quickly as we could, we, we got that rectified and um, back paid her. Uh, but it was just horrible. And, but the staff knew, you know, that I was really upset about it. And so they know that it's, they're important mm -hmm. to me. Um, and that kind of brings me on to the finances. You know, when you run your own business, you've got VAT to pay, you've got tax to pay, corporation tax, whatever it is. And, and doing that honorably and making sure that that happens correctly um, you know, I trust my accountant and I work with him. Um, but I think from my point of view, it, you know, it's like an example of that is my mum comes to me um, and she insists on paying me. And so I put that through the books. You know, I, I know a lot of um, businesses that are quite duplicitous and they think, oh, well, that's just cash. I'll put that in my pocket. But I, I don't choose to do that because I don't think that's honouring to God and, and to, you know, the way I want to live my life. Yeah. Yeah. So you run your own business, and so you have a lot of uh, influence in the way that that business is run. Not everybody here is that, in that position, so what might you say to them? 
Yeah, it is a privilege. Um, and I know that you shared, I think, in your first talk about, you know, I'm, I am able to pray with clients. And, um, uh, you know, it doesn't happen every day, but when it does, it is a freedom that I get. But I guess it goes back to that, you know, kind of beginning, what is integrity for any of us? Um, it, it is looking in the mirror and just um, uh, and being honest about it about the way we live our lives, whether that is running a business and being responsible and influencing, you know, 30 people or whatever, or whether it, it's just the way we uh, go about our own everyday life in whatever we're doing, you know, for me, picking up the kids years ago or whatever it was. Um, but I, I was listening, one of my um, favourite podcasts is Andy Stanley, and uh, I was listening to him a few months ago, uh, and he talked about um, the hotel chain, The Ritz, um, and they train their staff. Um, you know, it's a, it's a high-end hotel group. Um, they have a lot of very rich customers. And the way they, the mantra for their, their staff is, we are ladies and gentlemen serving other ladies and gentlemen. And that really impacted me because that's what all of us do, whatever we do, you know, whether we're a you know, brain surgeon or whether we're a, a mum. Um, and and I, so that has been really important to me. But the caveat for us, of course, is that we do that with serving God. Um, and so just this week, I was listening to another one of his podcasts, and he was talking about um, self-leadership, which is a brilliant two-part series. And it talks just about that. And so it's really irrelevant that I run a business. You know, I influence whoever God puts around me. Yeah. Um, and hopefully I do that in a godly and honourable way. Wonderful. Thank you, Helen, very much. Integrity in the workplace, especially lapses of integrity, is a subject that sometimes makes the news headlines. So I recently saw this photograph of thousands of Volkswagen cars. Couldn't be sold following the discovery that they had inbuilt technology to help them cheat the emissions tests, and uh, something apparently that the senior executives allegedly knew all about. Now, I hope that few of us will be impacted by a big scandal like this, but integrity in the workplace is something that really does affect us all. Now, I realize I'm the one speaking on this today, but probably the least qualified on one level because um, I'm in a special position uh, in this regard. I'm shielded from many of the challenges that many of you have to face on a daily basis. Although working on the church staff is far from perfect, you know, we're all human and working here has its share of tensions and imperfect decisions. But Trent's culture has the expectation running right through it that every employee will demonstrate integrity. It's like compulsory as opposed to the opposite. Some of you are under the very opposite pressure. Um, you know, that differs from perhaps your working environment. And in preparing for this talk, I asked a number of you to share with me some of the challenges to your integrity that you face at work. And the answers included things like this. Being tempted to tell small lies to avoid an argument or not to admit mistakes. Getting drawn into office gossip, especially when there is some truth in the negative things that are being said about someone else. Pressure to cut corners or encourage others to do so to save on resources. Pressure to compromise on what you know is right in order to win favor with someone. Being required by your boss to lie to clients, either obliquely or in some cases directly. 
signing off expense claims for people you oversee when you look at them and think, I'm not sure that's really legitimate, but okay, that sort of thing. So many ways, you know, some of you will recognize those challenges, you'll have many more that could be added to that list. They may not feel as dramatic as what happened at Volkswagen, but they're still a challenge to us, integrity stretch, integrity checks that we experience. And you may be asking this morning, well, in a workplace that expects me to make those kinds of compromises, what can I do about it? And we're going to answer that question in a moment. Other of us may be thinking, others of us may be thinking, well, most of these integrity stretches really are quite small. Lots of businesses expect people to do things which lack integrity, and uh, they don't really matter in the long run, do they? Economists have been left scratching their heads when Volkswagen's sales didn't seem to be significantly affected following the emissions scandal. So maybe integrity is something we say is important, but it's not really that important. If this is the case, why does integrity at work matter? So I'm going to answer both of those questions. What can I do? But why does integrity at work actually matter? And I'm going to start with the second. Throughout the Bible, we read God's exhortations to his people, his followers, to their lives to be integrated for every part to align with the other parts. What's done in private is reflected in public and so on. And honesty, especially, is a part of that. Psalm 51, verse 6, David is speaking to God, and he says, what you're after is truth from the inside out. In his letter to the Corinthian church, Paul wrote this, 2 Corinthians 1.12, our conscience testifies that we've conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relations with you, with integrity. Now, I could select many other verses from the Bible on this subject because the Bible as a whole paints a very clear picture. We're called to be people of integrity. And this is true in all areas of life, as Helen said, but it's especially true perhaps in our working life. I like the message translation of Proverbs 16:11. God cares about honesty in the workplace. Your business is his business. Your business is his business. And because of this, having integrity at work means much more than, than simply being honest. It means thinking about our work, whatever it is that we do, as something that we do for God, as Helen said. So firstly, integrity at work matters because we are called to work in a way that honors God. Now secondly, people like to do business with people they can trust. Recently, the air conditioning system broke on our car and uh, not surprisingly, it was a bit overworked recently, and uh, it needed a part replaced, a major part as it happened. And on Thursday of this week, it spent a day at a garage in Melton, which I've used for many years. The reason I've been going there for so long is because I absolutely trust the guy who runs it. His name is Glenn, he happens to be a member of this church. He was working on my car long before he joined us here. And if he tells me something needs doing, needs replacing, needs fixing, I just readily say, okay, because I know he's honest. I don't need to doubt that his advice is in my best interest. He's not trying to make money by charging me for things that I don't really need. And I've had more than one experience when we lived in London of mechanics. I used to be my own mechanic. My dad fixed all his cars and I grew up doing the same. And so I, I knew basically some stuff, but I, because of limitations of time, would pay someone to do it. But I would sometimes see what hadn't been done or what shouldn't have been done. And um, mechanics making mistakes and charging me for them. 
replacing an expensive part which wasn't necessary, it was the wrong part, and I told them so before they replaced it, and then flat out lying about what work they had done when they quite evidently hadn't done it. And as you can imagine, I never went back to those places. Trust is so important in building a business. Businesses can fail when they break the trust of their customers. So uh, it's remarkable, really, that Volkswagen recovered from that scandal so fast, but there are many examples of companies that never recover from a real breach in integrity. So, for instance, the accounting firm Arthur Anderson was founded in 1913, and Arthur himself, Anderson, was a man of integrity. His motto was, think straight, talk straight. By 2002, Andersons were one of the big five worldwide accounting firms, turning over $9 billion a year with 85,000 staff. But somewhere along the line, they had drifted from their founders' standards. And that firm, Anderson, acted as auditors for a fraudulent company you'll have remembered, if you're older as me, called Enron. Word got out that they had been complicit in that fraud, and the firm collapsed virtually overnight, and today their staff has fallen from 85,000 to just 200. Business leaders also agree that integrity is one of the keys to success. A recent survey asked senior executives to rank the human traits that effective leaders need, and the vast majority put integrity at the very top of the list. Integrity is just as important to among colleagues. I was, uh, some years ago, I was in a supermarket local to me, and I was choosing which wine to buy, and I overheard part of a conversation between two of the staff about a colleague. And they were saying, if she could do that to them, then exactly she could do it to us. And I'd sadly missed out on hearing the earlier part of the conversation, <laughs> so I don't know who she was or indeed what she had done, but they were saying, if that's how she behaves towards others, then she can't be trusted to treat us fairly. People want to work with people they can trust. So integrity in the workplace honors God and people want to work with people who have integrity. Not all of us will be in the position that Helen is in running her own business. So what can we do if we find ourselves in a job where we're under pressure to do things which stretch our integrity? Or as one church member asked me recently, we find ourselves being a very small ethical cog in a vast, unethical machine. So let's look at three options. Firstly, we could stay and do nothing about it, nothing to change it. If we let people at work know we're Christians, which I really would encourage you all to do, so if you're still undercover, let me just encourage you again, perhaps just to lift that head. If you're starting a new job, as I spoke to someone this morning, tomorrow, start with that. Yes, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. but. Um, if they know you're a Christian, it actually ups the stakes a bit because then you've got to behave a certain way. So if you then compromise, then you'll not only be labeled a hypocrite, but of course you're not going to be representing God well. A young Jewish boy who grew up in Germany in the 19th century greatly admired his father who brought him up in the Jewish faith, taking the family to the synagogue every week. So that was his religion. 
And in his teens, the family moved to another town and suddenly the father announced that they were going to abandon the Jewish faith and they were going to attend the local church. Why? Because the whole community revolves around this church and it would be better for our business if we flipped religion. Now that boy was left really disappointed. He was confused, of course, totally let down. This boy's name was Karl, Karl Marx, whose influential work rejected religion. It's like, what, what's the point? Describing it as the opiate of the masses and quite possibly his father's lapse in integrity was one of the triggers which led to the development, ultimately, of communism. Compromising our integrity at work does not honor God. We need to practice what we preach and live lives that are consistent with what we say we believe. How can we work as though working for the Lord, which we've referred to through the series, if we're working in a way that we know will not please him? So let's reject option one, okay? So stay and do nothing. Two more options. Secondly, we could withdraw or leave. Some of you may find yourselves in an environment where there's huge pressure on you to compromise. And you know, actually, when you analyze it, it is toxic to your spiritual well-being. And if that's the case, it might be appropriate to leave. God honors those who honor him. As you think about the risk, what if, if I go? Ephesians 6, verse 8, Paul writes this, you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good you do. So if it's a good decision to get out of there, he will reward you, he'll bless you. He does promise to bless us as we live in obedience to his will, even if the way he blesses us may not be at all evident right at that time. Some years ago, I had a conversation with a member of this church who came to the point of realizing that the pressure to compromise his integrity at work was just making it an impossible environment for him to continue working in. And despite what I'm assuming was a very comfortable salary, he resigned without another job to go to. And a few of us at the men's prayer meeting, we gathered around, we prayed for him, believing that the Lord would honor the radical choice that he had made. And a few weeks later, he landed what he described as the job of his dreams. He took a job working for a great company, using his skills, using his passions to their best. The previous job paled in the light of what God had uh, given him there. A few years ago, my son Jordan was working in London and uh, in an industry which is known for compromising honesty sometimes. And he told me one time when he came up for a weekend, he said, I think I'm becoming someone I don't want to be. And um, so we talked about all that. And uh, there was significant pressure on him to lie to clients directly to make the company look good. And the following day, he went back to work. Things came to a head. There were a couple of uh, lies that he was being told to go along with. And uh, he just walked out. He lost his job. He lost his home in one instant. He just thought, I can't do this any longer. And he came back to Nottingham. And since then, in the years uh, that have passed, he's worked very intentionally on his character. And uh, he's now thriving. He's in the same line of work elsewhere. He's very aware of God's favor on his work. He's building a business with another guy with integrity right at the top of his values. And I'm really proud of him. And I have no doubt that the Lord will bless him for his God-honoring decisions. When we face ethical challenges at work, it is often complex. And as many people as are in this room, that's how many 
times are multiple because some of you are facing uh, many different things that are challenging. Uh, you know, it's, it may be simple, very naive for me to say, well, just do the right thing, like, you know, choose honesty or choose to do the correct thing. It's not always crystal clear. Some things you've got to weigh up, and it's like, which is the worst, which is the best of two bad things that I'm, you know. Um, so, some of us here, all I'm saying is that you're facing very complex situations. There's no one size fits all solution. And certainly, I'm not in this sermon going to be able to do much more than touch on a few small examples. And, uh, but I hope the principles that we talk about here are going to be helpful. Sometimes it's a real struggle to work these things out on our own. It's like, oh my goodness, I just don't know what the right path is to take. And fortunately, God has given us each other. We have others, Christians, people who also want to walk in integrity, we can go and talk to and just kind of pour your heart out to maybe your small group leader, maybe a friend. And it's very helpful sometimes. I've both been the objective friend in people's lives here, and I've also been the one to go for advice and ask other people, how would you deal with this? Um, you know, they may not have all the answers, but they may be able to help you explore your options from a more objective perspective. The important thing is to be able to live with the decisions you make without betraying what you believe to be the right thing. That can be uh, corrosive to your soul. And if it comes to seriously compromising your integrity, I'm really encouraging you don't. Better to be blacklisted, better to be shunned, lose that job, than to become someone you don't want to become. We can take comfort in knowing that even if it's not immediate, when we do have to make a stand on an issue of integrity, God will honor those who honor him. Now, I hope that most of us will not be in such a position that we have to leave our work in order to maintain our integrity, but I suspect that almost every workplace will have its challenges to our integrity from time to time, and its issues which clash with our values. And so the final option, which I'm hoping is relevant to most of us, would be stay and be distinctive. Last time I spoke, I talked about being an influencer at work, and one of the most profound ways we can do that is by being distinctive in the area of integrity. And there are a whole number of ways in which we can do that. One of the most profound ways is through how we treat those around us. As Helen was saying, ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen, uh, conducting ourselves with honor in our relationships. In his letter to the Ephesian church, Paul says this, Ephesians 6 verse 5, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Mutual respect among colleagues, whether they're your you know, overseers or whether you're overseeing someone. No matter where you sit on the organizational or in the organizational hierarchy, whether you feel like you're a big or a small cog, working as though you're working for God includes treating your colleagues well and doing that whether they're present or not. I'm sure that most of us have experienced colleagues talking about each other sometimes in very negative ways. And it may be that you decide not to participate in these conversations. That could be a good approach. But there may be times when there's an opportunity actually to engage with it and to stand up for that colleague. Hold on a minute. I'm, I'm not sure that's quite fair. I'm, I doubt she actually intended to you know, communicate that. Or if you think the point being made really does have some truth in it, it's a valid criticism, you might actually agree there is an issue and encourage them to talk to that person. Talk to them, not about them. Much more healthy. You may even offer to come with them if that would help to broach the subject. Not only is that 
the right thing to do often and the thing you would like others to do for you. But incidentally, it builds trust because when someone is criticizing them to you, they can be pretty confident that you'll react, respond in the same way. One of the books on leadership I dip into from time to time is Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. How many of you have read that? A Minority is a great book. It's written by a guy, he's a Mormon. I don't agree with him on everything he believes, but it is an excellent study of the importance of character and the habits of life which highly effective people display. And in it, he writes this, one of the most important ways to manifest integrity is to be loyal to those who are not present. When you defend those who are absent, you retain the trust of those who are present. Another way to be distinctive is to handle situations differently to your colleagues. Uh, Helen just mentioned Mark Green, London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. And he gives an illustration of one of the ways, uh, one way of handling a situation. We'll all have come across probably exactly this one, um, or very similar. Jeanette Taylor, he writes, works as a secretary in a military establishment. The phone rings, is for her boss. She tells him that so-and-so is on the line, and he says, as do thousands of people all over Britain every day. Tell him I'm out. Jeanette says, I can't do that, you're not. There's a pause. She continues, if I lie for you, you won't know when I'm lying to you. Now, that's a tiny little thing and you'll have experienced many things like it, but there are some situations where finding creative ways to avoid compromising on your integrity may be helpful putting energy into it, so what could I have said? In this instance, for example, maybe rather than refusing to tell the caller your boss is out when he isn't, you could say something like, I'm sorry, he's not available at the moment. Whether he or she is there or not is really not the issue. He is not available to the caller because he happens to be prioritizing something else. So it's perfectly fair. You've been honest and your boss is happy. So just thinking about the way you might approach something, phrase it or whatever, could be helpful. Now, this is a very straightforward example, probably easily solved, but the reality is it's usually much more complicated than that. There are times also when the system is set up so that doing the right thing is just not fair. It just, just seems so, am I, you know, because I'm declaring this on my whatever, it's gonna, you know, impinge upon me, but yes, maybe we may get penalized for being honest. 35, 34 years ago, in our first year of marriage, I taught at um, West Knotts College, which is in Mansfield. And uh, I used to go, I taught jewelry, and I taught drawing, and I taught design. And I just did one lecture a week in these, or two maybe lectures a week in some of these subjects. So I would drive the 30 mile round trip just to get there, do a lecture for 50 minutes, and then come away. And um, I had a class, uh, I was teaching design to a class of 15 uh, girls, not much younger than I was. They were YTS hairdressing students. Some of you are old enough to know what a YTS is, youth training scheme. Uh, and um, so they were working in hairdressing salons, but they were also training. And I was supposed to teach them design, designing clothing and designing hairstyles and stuff. And um, so I had no teacher training whatsoever. I got this job by going to see the principal and showing him some pictures of my work and saying, I'd like to teach, because someone told me there's really good money for just doing these lectures. And I was trying to set up a business as a jeweler and not making a lot, so I thought it's worth the, the, the trip. So um, I had to then speak to a member. He said, okay, you're hired. Start next week on 
teaching these three things. So it's like, oh my goodness, I better actually talk to a teacher and find out what you're actually supposed to do. It was fascinating. I don't know whether I've got, no, I haven't. Okay, another time. It'll turn up in another sermon, I'm sure. So uh, I've got this class of 15, but they said, oh, there's the timesheets. You just have to fill in what lectures, you know, what sessions you did, how many people were present, and then you submit that and you get paid at the end of the week or the month. So that's great. So they said there's a quorum of four. You can't teach a class with less than four people. Um, so I said, well, what if I ever get less than four? And they said, oh, just put four down. I mean, there's no point in you getting not paid just because your students let you down by not attending. So one morning, it is, I'm here in West Bridgeford, it is snowing hard, and uh, I knew going north was going to get worse, but I'm a really responsible kind of person. So I drove to Mansfield. I got there in the car park. The car park was deep snow, and so I drove down into it. That was a foolish thing to do. And then three students turned up, and together we waited and no more students came. And so I drove home frustrated that I had made the effort to drive a 30-mile round trip in the snow, and 12 of my students, who were locals and could have easily walked there, hadn't turned up. And so I was left with this choice. Do I put four? Do I put three? system is built against me. It was not my fault. And I've worked you know, significantly this morning, but I put three down, and uh, I didn't get paid. Now, that was just an integrity check. It costs me in the short term. Sometimes it will appear that we lose out because of decisions of integrity. You know, as a tradesman, you may lose a potential job because you refuse to maybe do it for cash and shirk the VAT or not declare something. As a salesperson, you might miss out on a bonus because you, you're unwilling to pressurize someone who really doesn't need that product, really can't afford that product, to buy it. In so many ways, the working environment may, may reward a lack of integrity and it may actually punish, sorry, punish honesty. But the Bible promises time and again that God blesses those who maintain their integrity. As David, King David, the songwriter, wrote in the Psalms, Psalm 15, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy mountain? Those whose walk is blameless, who do what is righteous, who speak the truth from their hearts, who keep their oaths even when it hurts. God loves those who, loves to bless those who do the right thing even when it hurts. It may not feel like we're being blessed at the time, but as the saying goes, God is no man's debtor. You will be rewarded. As we're faced with an integrity stretch, at work, we must be careful not to just be, uh, become desensitized by the working culture, you know, to rationalize it away. It's not really my responsibility. And to say to ourselves, you know, everyone does it. It's the way the company works. I'm powerless to really make a difference here. The danger is that we might wake up one day to discover we have become the kind of person that we wish we hadn't. Some of you here today may be feeling this talk is prodding you in sensitive places because you know that you have compromised in some way and yet you'd love to change things as you head into the future. And you might ask, well, what if I have made compromises in my job? Is there any way back? Yes, absolutely there is. Whatever the issue is, I believe God is the God of the second chance and the third chance and the fourth chance and the 25th chance. And the, you know, there's always a new day. In fact, tomorrow is Monday. Thank God it's Monday. And you could start 
a new way of behaving, if that's what you want to do. And if you sincerely want to follow him and live the way he's called you to, he will make a way. It may not be without pain, but long term, I don't believe you will look back and regret that you did what you believed was right. There may be some pain anyway in the situation when you look back on your life and realize with regret that you've become someone you never intended to be. Choose integrity. So throughout this series on work, we've looked at how, whether we are paid or not, whether we work in an office, a factory, a school, a home, work is part of God's original plan for us. He designed work not to be a burden or a distraction from him, but that it's designed to be for him. And a way that we can serve him and our communities and work, uh, and, uh, sorry, you know, and a way we can serve him in our communities. And work is potentially one of the most fulfilling things that we actually get to do. Work can sometimes be hard, but we're encouraged to work wholeheartedly as though working for him. God's interest is interested in our whole lives and we want to honor God with everything, including our work. And we can do that through any of the subjects that we've looked at through this series, the way we think about our work, how we persevere when work gets us down, being an influencer at work, and having integrity in our work. Just as work is a gift from God, his invitation to us is to invite him into that and let him be our boss, serve him, as well as those around us through our work. 